What's up, everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We're an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris. You might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social-emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity-affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jesse, a sensory integration trained SLP, owner of a top rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity affirming ways to support social emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's do it. Welcome to Making the Shift. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had to get the You're energy stress people out. right off the bat because that was my first time with the introduction and being able to say welcome to Making the Shift. So yeah, I wanted to make it powerful. Yeah, you're doing something else and then I'm like, welcome. And then your attention comes to recapping uh, the day. But so you, you uh, definitely got everyone's attention there. <laughs> yeah. Welcome and wake up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's get started. So we're going to get started tonight's or to this episode is about <laughs> regulation and all things regulation. A very important topic and a very um great thing to discuss when working with our autistic clients, students and others, especially working with families too so we could help guide and coach as we've discussed in uh, previous Definitely. episodes. And this episode was inspired by a conversation I had with our four-year-old last week, Tucker. And it's just funny how those things happen. But I was walking the kids to school and then I turn around and Tucker's normally running as fast as he can. Like normally, thank God he stops at the streets and to cross, but normally he's running and then waits for me to cross the street and then runs. But this morning he was, or that morning he was like dilly dallying, just like dragging his feet behind me. And I turned around and he goes, I have low energy today. <laughs> and it was so funny because it was not prompted by me at all. And I was like, that's so crazy. It's the first time I've heard him say something like that. And I get it. Maybe we talk about stuff like that in our household more than the average household, but it's not like we're sitting our kids down and like teaching them lessons on these things. It just comes up naturally. But I was, I, I just thought, wow, he has this level of awareness that I never thought about for him, which led me to some other activities, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But that was really what prompted this episode was him saying, I have low energy. And then I told him, well, do you want me to show you some stuff that Chris does to get more energy? Because Chris will do these things like, I don't know, if you're about to speak or something, just to like get your energy <laughs> level up, like some movement stuff. So I started showing the kids, because I was with both Connor and Tucker, I started showing them some things I could do to get their energy up. And it was just like three, four minutes later, he was back up to his high amount of energy that he would normally have in the morning. So it just made me think about which we, we, we do think about and talk about, you know, having this conversation with kids from a really young age. But this was, these were some activities I did with him, age four, and very successful. And I'll share what that looked like. 
But first of all, I just want to kind of preface this episode because today we are talking about self-regulation and we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times, we'll say it a thousand more times. And so important to know that, you know, self-regulation does not just pop up one day. It's not something that just develops overnight. Self-regulation is developed through the relationships we have with our caregivers, through people who are helping us learn how to regulate, through these relationships we have with people who are so attuned to our needs that they can see what we need and then they can help us get it. So we've talked in past episodes about co-regulation. We have a really popular episode called How to Develop Self-Regulation in a Healthy Way with SLP Daniel Kent. We talk a lot about co-regulation in that. So if you haven't watched that episode, you could definitely go back and check that out. So, but just as you know, a reminder that self-regulation is not just a skill that kids just develop one day. It is something that is learned and it is learned through co-regulation, which means someone else helping you regulate. And it's something that is lifelong, right? It's when we start in our younger uh, years and as we grow older and grow old like myself, we constantly reflect back on these things and, um, I am still working at times on my own self-regulation um, tools and techniques, reaching into my my regulation toolkit. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So I think one of the things we wanted to achieve in this episode was just giving you really simple, concrete steps for starting to have these conversations about self-regulation, because a lot of people just don't know where to start. And there's really simple ways that you can start. So the first thing is that when talking to kids about their regulation, one of the easiest ways you can do that is just by talking about their energy levels. So, you know, the word regulation is big. Lots of people don't know what that means. Lots of adults don't even know what that means. But most people know what it means to have a certain level of energy. So helping kids to identify if they have a really low level of energy that day or if they have a really high level of energy that day. And if you've taken my course or been to any of my free trainings, you'll know that I talk a lot about this, about our levels of arousal. And I will often describe it as, you know, is the child Eeyore or is the child Tigger? And that comes perfect because, oh, you you weren't there. I forgot you weren't invited. I just saw this Winnie the Pooh play with the kids this weekend. It was a local theater and it was so cute. It was like these big puppets controlled by people, but they were like four foot puppets. They weren't tiny. And Eeyore and Pooh are on stage and they're both pretty like low level of energy generally. So it's like a third of the play goes on where they start to introduce the different characters and Eeyore is out there and Pooh and Piglet and then Tigger comes out. And I swear the vibe in the theater changed because the guy, he was like the perfect guy for that role. And he had the best energy and like Tigger presence. And it seriously brought up the energy level and the whole theater just having that character come out (laughs) onto the stage. So if kids are familiar with, you know, characters like that, being able to give them a comparison. Yeah, I like that idea, too. Yeah, um, definitely gives context and 
um, I, I love that analogy. Yeah, it makes it easy. Yeah. And, you know, one of the easiest ways then to get started with teaching kids is to use visual tools. And for a lot of our kids, they are visual learners, and that helps a lot. So I wanted to share one of my favorite tools, and then we're going to talk about how we may modify it kind of based on the needs of our kids. But, and you may have heard of this, we'll have to put a link to this in the notes. Yeah, we will absolutely put it in the notes. And I'm holding it up for any of you those live on video, but this is the Autism Level Up Energy Meter. And this is a you know website run by autistic advocates. There's tons and tons of freebies on there. This is the one I, I use most. And this is an energy meter. So you will notice that this is not an emotions rating scale, which we should, I guess, briefly touch on that. Um, we know that a lot of, and we're going to get into this in later episodes, we know that a lot of autistic kids have trouble with interoception, which is their the ability to take the sensory inf information that comes into our body and then connect it to an emotion. So being able to sense that what that feels like when their stomach is full and then be able to interpret that that means that they are um, full and they shouldn't want to, they shouldn't eat anymore versus what it feels like when their stomach is empty, knowing that that means that they need to eat. That's a, and then it goes deeper into like knowing what it feels like when you're anxious and your heart is racing and um, your face is feeling a little flushed, like being able to sense all of that input and, be able to interpret that into emotions. So we know that using just like flat out emotions rating scales is not always effective with our autistic kids because a lot of our autistic kids are having trouble identifying the bodily sensations and then being able to connect it to an emotion, which is why a lot of the times in therapy that kind of ends up to be more of like rote memorization of what facial expressions look like. We'll have to do a whole show on that. That's a big topic. Yeah, it's uh, a couple of different subject topics there that we can cover <laughs> uh, more in depth in future episodes on interoception and alexithymia. Perfect. So this energy meter, it has different levels. So it goes from this low energy to high. So asleep, sleepy or still, settled or calm, focused or purposeful, amped up or fidgety and maxed out or frenzied. And you know, something Chris and I were talking about earlier is how you can modify this to like three levels if that is the place where your client is, if five is too many. But I will say I did this whole thing then with Tucker because after he told me he had low energy, it was like this idea sparked in my mind that he was ready to start having these conversations. And we came to my office one morning before school. We do that a lot. And we went through this visual and I explained what each of these meant. And then we started talking about it. And I was like, where was your energy this morning? You know, and then we um, built an obstacle course we were going to do together. And then I was like, okay, well, if we go through this obstacle course really quickly, do you think you're going to have lower energy after that or higher energy? And he could tell me, yeah. You know? So I felt like that was such a good start. 
to having that conversation. Right. You know? No, I agree. And be able to use that. So I would say like, no matter the age, I would highly recommend trying to use something like this. And first step is really just getting kids to identify that within themselves. I would say after that would be more of the like talking about situations where they might feel these things to helping them identify that. Um, and yeah, I wanted to talk about kind of like what I think therapists must know before starting to implement these practices, because I feel like we've learned a lot of this stuff the hard way. Um, and I would say that I think one of the biggest pitfalls we have as therapists is when we are introducing an activity like this, which has a rating scale, we are maybe intentionally or not intentionally associating certain ratings with being good and certain ratings with being bad. And we have to be so careful not to do that because it's so important for kids to know that these are all ways that are very valid for us to feel. There is no one right way to feel. Like we would never expect our kids to feel focused and purposeful 100% of the day. And we want to make sure and be really careful that we're not um, talking about these emotions like or these energy levels as some being negative because they won't feel like that's an okay place for them to be. I think that's, yeah, an excellent point. Always validating one's experience um, and one's uh, you know, levels of energy. It even kind of ties into that analogy that was used um, that Jesse mentioned with, with Tigger and Eeyore. Like you don't want to have somebody be at Tigger at all moments because as we know through Winnie the Pooh, things can not always go as planned if you have someone constantly amped up with all that energy. And same with Eeyore. I mean, you don't want someone to be Eeyore 24-7. So you kind of try to find that balance um, as well. Um, and then working with students, like if they are feeling like they are um, have these emotions or this energy level that's low, that's okay. We all experience that based on a variety of things that um, come up in our lives. Maybe it's uh, we didn't get the right sleep. Maybe something happened outside of school um, that – um, has been on our mind that made us feel a certain way. Maybe we've been a lot more involved in extracurricular activities like sports, track and field, being in the band. They don't get home until like 9 p.m. So there's just a variety of things that happen in everyone's life. So yeah, it's definitely uh, validating that. Yeah. And I can't remember if I told the story on this show or if it was in a seminar we gave or something, but we had a little boy who you know, would come into the session. Like we, I remember one day he came in, he's crying and the therapist said, you know, what's wrong? What happened? How are, how are you feeling? What's going on? And he just, he was saying, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. And he's crying, but he's saying I'm happy because he had such difficult experiences with like his life of being shown all of these emotion ratings and like having this negative association with feeling sad or angry or scared. But it's like that we do meditation with the kids. Like every night um, we listen to Headspace and they have Sesame Street meditations, which are really, really cool. 
And I remember one of the Headspace lessons, I think it was one of their lessons was about how, you know, emotions are like clouds. So like they might come over you and block the sun from coming in, but then they're going to float on. And that's kind of the idea is that you are not your emotions. Your emotions are just a moment in time, something that you may feel. And I feel like a lot of our kids, like, I don't know, take that on almost as if I am sad or if I'm angry, that means I'm not as good of a person. I don't know. I just feel like I've gotten some glimpses into that. Yeah, there's like, uh, so uh, more specifically on talking about that resource, Headspace is an app as well as a website. So headspace.com. Um, but yeah, there's really uh, nice ways of guiding that mindfulness piece to it. And it really hits home for a variety of of, of um, ages. So we do um, work with the children with this. But for my grade level there um, that I work with, which is high schoolers, um, there's a lot of really good stuff on there too. There's a Star Wars collection that has Yoda working on breathing techniques and has um, discussions of the Millennium Falcon and it um, not having the right tools pieced together. So then the Falcon ends up having a meltdown and ways to really getting it back on track to regulate and really a cool insight um, on those types of things. It also talks about what Jesse mentioned, which is validating the emotions and when we recognize those. So um, things like when there's, we talk about the ocean and the waves, it's like when we all experience, think about the emotions being the waves and when the wave comes in, it's like you have a couple options. Um, do you try to go against the big wave? Because if you do that and push it away, you're only going to damage, get damage yourself. So it's like you got to ride those emotions sometimes even um, and, and recognize them, you know, identify them. And it talks about those types of things in that app. It's really cool. Yeah. And I want to really like focus in on that, how important that validation piece is, because as we were talking, I was thinking about how it was Jamie Boyle who said this. She's an autistic SLP, a friend of ours who, and I think she said this while we were filming our autism support resources. And she said, you know, oftentimes a child's internal experience is, does not match their external presentation. So there's, when we are starting to do activities like this with our kids and we are having them explain what their energy level is and the way that their body's feeling, you know, I think it's so easy for us to go, no, you don't have high energy. Look at you. You're just sitting there. Right. But the point is that we really do need to validate what they're saying and maybe they haven't learned yet. You know, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer, but really validating how they feel And for me, I usually just start asking a bunch of questions to help them reflect on that so that they may realize, like, maybe they do feel a different way, but they just need to talk through it. But just starting with, like, an energy meter like this gives you so many places that you can take the conversation. You could do so many sessions just looking at this meter and talking about when you might feel these different types of ways. Yeah. And there was a question in the comments. So just to re um, just to kind of recap uh, some of these 
neurodiversity affirming approaches to regulation. Um, this comes from autism level up and um, the creators are autistic individuals who have great insight and have a great approach. There's an entire resources section on the website that has a lot of freebies, free printables, PDF files, and some ideas talking about some goals that historically might not have been the most effective way of approaching it and um, new um, ways to reshape um, how we can use um, these types of things to really help out. Yeah. So we love that uh, resource. Yeah. So I would say step one, helping kids really understand what their energy level is. Step two, starting to identify when they feel th that specific way. And then of course the next step and the longer step is then starting to generate, you know, different activities that they could do to change their energy level, which we'll have to do a whole show on that. Yeah. But there's a couple of resources there. Even like the headspace is a, is a great um, idea for, for starting another resource that it's actually not a resource. It's just one thing that I like to do is I have students with this printed out um, energy level meter is we just kind of recreate it in a Google slides and I kind of make it to where they get to select their own images and things like that. And so it builds on autonomy and it builds on them feeling like they're having buy-in to creating their own uh, meter for energy levels. And then from there we can branch out into, okay, well, what activity or strategy or tool do you have that can take you from this low energy and kick it up a notch? or vice versa. So um, there's another idea that uh, is always kind of fun to do. That is fun. And you always bring the tech in. That's right. <laughs> Bringing the tech in, reaching my hand in this toolkit for sensory regulation techniques. Let's see what we got um, in this toolkit. Let me reach in here. Okay. Oh, that's a bottle of wine. That's that's, not, that's the wrong regulation <laughs> that's toolkit tool. toolkit for in an hour from now. <laughs> Well, we hope that this was helpful for you in getting you started. And if you are starting to use this energy meter, comment on this, let us know, and we would love to hear how it goes. Thanks for chiming in. Until next time, my friends, stay cool and be legendary. If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.